Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chapter 6 of Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry. So I thought it would be relevant to bring on a, a special guest to this podcast. So without further ado, the original OG, Mrs. Valdez. Hello, welcome, Miss Valdez. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing good. So I heard that Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry is your favorite book. Is this true? It's one of them because I know that all my, my students, they should remember that I love black history. And this is an, an amazing book and it's, it teaches a lot about that history. And didn't you teach about um, a certain railroad in second grade? Yes, the Underground Railroad, which is, did they discuss that in this book too? Do they discuss it in this book? I don't remember. I don't think so. Because I read that when you and Michael were in sixth grade. Yes. So it's been a long time. And some kids did Harriet Tubman mm-hmm. on their research report. So yeah, We learned about that in second grade, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the Underground Railroad was a, a way. It Actually, Harriet Tubman, she would go back and uh, rescue some of the slaves. And the Underground Railroad was a way for them to move around at night. And it wasn't on the ground. It was, they would go from house to house and the houses would have, would put out like a blanket on their, on their window, those certain colors, and they'd light up a light. So they knew that that was a safe house and they would go into the house and, and spend the day resting and they will continue at night again and go to the next house. That's what they called it a railroad because they went from house to house. Well, thank you, Miss Valdez, for taking the time to talk to us a little bit about black history. Yes, I well, love sixth grade. Yeah, sixth graders are great. Yeah. But we're going to go ahead and continue reading. So in my book, I'm on page 134 where it says killed. It's at the very top of the page. So I'm going to go ahead and continue reading from there. Killed, we echoed as the fire sputtered and died. Who'd do that? I cried. Not one of them puny simses. Stacy started to speak, but then Mama and Big Ma entered and he cautioned us into silence. When Uncle Hammer joined us, freshly shaven and in another suit, the boys and I put on our coats and headed for the door. Uncle Hammer stopped us. Stacy, that the only coat you got on, son? He asked. Stacy looked down at his faded cotton jacket. Everyone else did, too. The jacket was too small for him. That was obvious. And compared to Little Man's and Christopher John's and mine, it was admittingly, admittedly in sadder shape. Yet we were all surprised that Uncle Hammer would ask about it, for he knew as well as anyone that Mama had to buy our clothes in ships, which meant that we, had, we each had to wait our turn for new clothes. Stacy looked up at Mama, then back at Uncle Hammer. Yes, sir, he answered. Uncle Hammer stared at him, then waving his hand, ordered, take it off. Before Stacy could question why, Uncle Hammer disappeared into the boys' room. Again, Stacy looked at Mama. You'd better do like he says, she said. Uncle Hammer returned with a long box, store wrapped in shiny red Christmas paper and a fancy green ribbon. He handed the package to Stacy. It was supposed to be your Christmas present, but I think I'd better give it to you now. It's cold out there. Gingerly, Stacy took the box and opened it. A coat, cried little man joyously, clapping his hands. Wool, Mama said reverently. Go ahead, Stacy, try it on. Stacy eagerly slipped on the coat. It was much too big for him, 
but mama said that she could take up the sleeves and that he would grow into it in another year. Stacy beamed down at the coat, then up at Uncle Hammer. A year ago, he would have shot into Uncle Hammer's arms and hugged him, thanks. But now, at that, at the manly age of 12, he held out his hand, and Uncle Hammer shook it. Come on, we better go, said Mama. The morning was gray as we stepped outside, but the rain had stopped. We followed the path of bedded rocks that led up to the barn. Careful not to slip into the mud and got into the Packard, shining clean and bright from the washing Uncle Hammer and Mr. Morrison had given it after breakfast. Inside the Packard was... The world was a wine-colored luxury. The boys and I in the back ran our hands over the rich felt seats, tenderly fingered the fancy door handles and window knobs, and peered down, amazed at the plush carpet peeping out on either side of the rubber mats. Mr. Morrison, who was not a church-going man, waved goodbye from the barn, and we sped away. As we drove into onto the school grounds and parked, the people milling in front of the church turned, staring at the Packard. Then Uncle Hammer stepped from the car and someone cried, well, I'll be doggone, it's our hammer. So if you need to catch up on what we had read before in chapter six, pretty much they're getting ready for church now. And they all were talking about and wondering if Uncle Hammer had did anything to Mr. Sims. And pretty much Stacy said he flat out asked Mama and she said no he didn't do anything Mr. Morrison saved the day and just talked him all night long talked him down and obviously Mr. Morrison and um Uncle Hammer are both very tired but Uncle Hammer notices that Stacy's coat is very old and it's doesn't really seem like it's thick enough to keep him warm and so he gave him an early christmas present and he was very thankful for that so now they're going to church and this Packard that everyone freaks out about that it's a, such a nice car and it rolls up to the church and there's someone that recognizes Uncle Hammer. Hammer Logan and in a body, the crowd engulfed us. TJ ran up with Mo Turner and little Willie Wiggins to admire the car. It's Uncle Hammer, said Stacy proudly. But before the boys could sufficiently admire the car, Mama and Big Ma shoot us toward the church for the service. It was then that TJ noticed Stacy's new coat. Uncle Hammer gave it to him, I said. Ain't it something? TJ ran his long fingers over the lapels and shrugged. It's all right, I guess, if you like that sort of thing. All right, I cried, indignant as, at his casual reaction to the coat. Boy, that's the finest coat you ever did lay eyes on, and you know it. TJ sighed. Like I said, it's all right, if you like looking like a fat preacher. Then he and little Willie and Mo laughed and went on ahead. Stacy looked down at the coat with his long sleeves and wide shoulders. His smile faded. He don't know what he's talking about, I said. He's just jealous, that's all. I know it, snapped Stacy sourly. As we slid into the pew in front of TJ, TJ whispered, Here comes the preacher, then leaned forward and said snidely, How do you do, Reverend Logan? Stacy turned on TJ, but I poked him hard. Mama's looking, I whispered, and he turned back around. After church, as TJ and the others looked longingly at the car, Mama said, Stacy might, Stacy, maybe TJ wants to ride. Before Stacy could reply, I spoke up hurriedly. No, ma'am, Mama, he got something else he got to do. Then under my breath so that I would not be guilty of a lie, I added, he got to walk home like he always do. That'll teach him, whispered little man. Yeah, agreed Christopher John. But Stacy sulked by the window and said nothing. So as you can see, TJ and, um, Stacy have not made up from their incident where they got in a fight and he really does not want mama to know. So he's trying to cover it up. All right. 
Almost done. The sun was out now and Uncle Hammer suggested that we take a real ride before going home. He drove us the full 22 miles up to Strawberry by the way of the Jackson Road, one of the two roads leading to the town. But Mama and Big Ma objected to such, to much, to going through Strawberry that he turned the big car around and headed back toward home, taking the old soldier's road. Supposedly, rebel soldiers had once marched up the road and across Soldier's Bridge to keep the town from falling into the hands of the Yankee army, but I had my doubts about that. After all, who is who in his right mind would want to capture Strawberry or defend it either for that matter? The road was hilly and curving as we sped over it. Scattered road stones hit sharply against the car's underbelly and the dust swelled up in rolls of billowing clouds behind us. Little man, Christopher John, and I shrieked with delight each time the car climbed a hill and dropped suddenly downward, fluttering our stomachs. Eventually, the road intersected with the Jefferson Davis School Road. Uncle Hammer stopped the car at the intersection and, leaning his right arm heavily over the steering wheel, motioned languidly at the Wallace store. Got me a good mind to burn that place out, he said. Hammer, hush that kind of talk, ordered Big Ma, her eyes growing wide. Me and John Henry and David grew up all together, and John Henry and me even fought in their war together. What good was it? A black man's life ain't worth the life of a cow fly down there. I know that, son, but that kind of talk get you hung and you know it. Mama touched Uncle Hammer's arm. There might be another way, Hammer, like I told you. Now don't go do something foolish. Wait for David. Talk to him. Uncle Hammer looked glassy-eyed at the store, then sighed and eased the Packard across the road towards Soldier's Bridge. We were taking the long way home. Soldier's Bridge was built before the Civil War. It was spindly and wooden, and each time I had to cross it, I held my breath until I was safely on the other side. Only one vehicle would cross at a time, and whoever was on the bridge first was supposed to have the right of way, although it didn't always work that way. More than once, when I had been in the wagon with Mama or Big Ma, we had had to back off the bridge when a white family started to cross after we were already on it. As the bridge came into view, the other side of the river was clearly visible, and it was obvious to everyone that an old Model T truck overflowing with red-headed children had reached the bridge first and was about to cross. But suddenly, Uncle Hammer gassed the Packard and sped onto the creaking structure. The driver of the truck stopped and for no more than a second hesitated on the bridge. Then, without a single honk of protest, backed off so that we could pass. Hammer! Big Ma cried. They think you're Mr. Granger. Well, now won't they be surprised when we reach the other side, said Uncle Hammer. As we came off the bridge, we could see the Wallaces, all three of them. Dewberry, Thurston, and Caleb touched their hats respectfully, then immediately freeze as they saw who we were. Uncle Hammer, straight-faced and totally calm, touched the brim of his own hat in polite response, and without a backward glance, sped away, leaving the Wallaces gaping silently after us. Stacy, Christopher, John, Little Man, and I laughed, but Mama's cold glance made us stop. You shouldn't have done that, Hammer, she said quietly. The opportunity, dear sister, was too much to resist. But one day we'll have to pay for it, believe me, she said. One day we'll pay. All right, so... We just finished chapter six, and it's funny the sense of humor that Mildred D. Taylor has at the end of this chapter because Uncle Hammer has this car that a white man owns, and the car that Uncle Hammer has is much better than what Mr. Granger has. And whenever people see the car, they think it's Mr. Granger. So they start talking about this bridge called Soldier's Bridge, and only one person can pass at a time. And so there was another car pulling up to the bridge and 
Uncle Hammer, trying to be funny, sped up and ran across the bridge first. And then the car thought Uncle Hammer's car was actually the Granger's. So they started tipping their hats at them and saying hello. And then when they see this black family in the car, they are so like humiliated and embarrassed because they just said hello to black people. And apparently you can't do that. So, of course, Uncle Hammer tipped his hat back and started making a joke out of it. And Big Mom Mama are just saying, we're going to pay for that one day. We are. Just wait. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these podcasts. Um, this is all. This is the last podcast for this week. So go ahead and try to listen to all of them. There will be a chapter five and six quiz on Monday. So make sure you take notes and just listen. You don't even have to take notes. If you listen, that's all that really matters. Thank you guys for listening to That English Teacher Podcast. I hope you have a great rest of your spring break. Bye.